this is totally not Danzig, and you're listening to the Shred Shack. Greetings, folks. I'm Dan Mack. And this is Chris Mack. Welcoming you to episode 116 of the Shred Shack Podcast, your premier source of news and uninformed yet heavily biased opinions pertaining to all things heavy metal. Airing bi-weekly on iTunes, Mixcloud, Google Play, and as of recently, as I found out, iHeartRadio. We're searchable on iHeartRadio. Badass. Uh, as well as on YouTube at youtube.com slash the Shred Shack and youtube.com slash Templum. Uh, let's get started with some old business. Uh, I didn't get the button ready. You never do. I never do. Old business is old business, and new business is new business. I'm always trying to get the, the intro done. <laughs> forget about the buttons. Well, here we go. According to NBC News, the Justice Department filed a friend of court brief uh, supporting Led Zeppelin in the Stairway to Heaven copyright lawsuit. In its brief, the Justice Department said the trial... Judge got it right when he ruled that the only work subject to copyright protection was the sheet music because the song, uh, the original song, uh, the original song that they're saying was um, ripped off, was written before Congress changed the law in 1972, which gave protection to sound recordings. So I think what the the argument here is that what um, Led Zeppelin recorded sounded a lot like the Taurus song. I think it was called, or no, the Spirit song Taurus. I think it was something like that. Something like that. Uh, so what they're saying now is that the sheet music itself is what's copyrighted uh, and protected um, because it was written before 1972, and the 1972 the Congress passed a law that protected sound recordings. Uh-huh. So there it is. So apparently, Led Zeppelin did not rip off this song based on these rulings. Okay. This just just gets more ridiculous every single time. Well, that's why it's old business. So let's go on to some new business. And this is new business, and we do not discuss new business until next quarter. And with new business, we start talking about new album releases. And uh, it looks like you have something for this. I have two, but first I want to say that I saw the trailer for the new cartoon Adam's Family movie the other day. Yes. And it looks awesome. Yeah, it does. I think it's going to be super fun. Can't wait to take the kids to see that one. Yeah, that one, that one, that one looks pretty funny. All right, but new hour releases. So two weeks ago, Slipknot released their new record, We Are Not Your Kind. Um, and I have to say that the first time I listened to it, I wasn't that impressed. But on subsequent listens, I beca- I came to really really enjoy the record. There's definitely a lot of different things on it for uh, for them. Um, I think one of my favorite things that Slipknot does is actually it's what Corey Taylor does is that he sings in a different style uh, for Slipknot than he does for Stone Sour. Like completely, even his clean vocals for Slipknot are different than his clean vocals for Stone Sour. Like everything about his personality on on the different bands is is completely different, and I I really like that kind of like split personality type thing he does. Um, but I, I really like I really really enjoyed the record after like a, a week's worth of listening. Um, like I said, there's a lot of different stuff on it. Uh, it's always as always it's heavy. There's a couple softer songs on there. Um, it seems like they kind of 
almost feature, not so much feature, but kind of bring bring to light some of the stuff that you always wondered about. Um, I always wondered why they needed nine guys. Like, there's so many parts or so many other songs that they could definitely be serviceable by just the five core group of like two guitars, bass, drums, and, and Corey. Um, but there's definitely a little bit more examples of like the sampler and like the programmer and a little bit more percussion in it. It was it was definitely a, an all around group effort on this one, and I really really enjoyed it. I I gotta say that I listened to most of the album in your car. Mm-hmm. Um, I I wasn't crazy about it. Um, I, I that was probably on the on the, on the first listen. You, you probably need to listen to it a couple more times to yeah. get into it. Actually, um, so very surprisingly, Lindsay wants the album because she enjoyed it when she was listening to it in your car. Yeah. Um. So we we might end up getting it, you know, with I I might end up buying it more so with her in mind, and then I'll be able to get more into it myself personally. Um. And your other album, Kill Switch Engage Incarnate is the one that came out last week. I thought it was just called Atonement. Atonement. My bad. Incarnate was the last one. My bad. Jesus Christ, I'm fucked up. Yeah. But anyway, Atonement. Very, very good. Very kill switch. Um, of course, a lot of melody, um, a lot of harmony with the guitars. Um, very fucking heavy. There's not a there's not a dull moment on this one. Uh, of course, I'm pretty sure Adam D did the production of it, and he's just known for his his wall of sound. Very thick, full sound for his band. Um, and this is the first album post Jesse having vocal surgery. He sounds just as good as ever. Um, and he's also dealing, I think he, he's dealing with a divorce. He's got through, he's going through a lot of mental health issues right now, which are the focus of a lot of the songs. Um, which is what I always liked about Jesse as their frontman because it, with Howard Jones always felt kind of stale of all the, like the love songs. Mm-hmm. Um, with Jesse, it feels a little bit more, uh, relatable, a little bit more, um, a little bit more personal. Only like not, not to say that Howard Jones' stuff wasn't personal. It's just that this it feels a little bit more vulnerable, a little bit more open, and definitely a little bit more um, uh, less one-dimensional. Let's just say that less one-dimensional. Gotcha. They do have a song with Howard Jones on it in this one, the second track. I think it's called um, "Oh My God," <sighs> the single fire. Uh, awesome, so good. Probably the best song on the album. Mm-hmm. Definitely, the, definitely one up there on the like with the best songs on the album. Such a good track. Overall, the whole album is fantastic. And anyone who knows I'm a huge fan of Kill Switch Engage, and this is definitely another notch in their belt as far as uh, recording. So okay, yeah. Um, I did not get a chance to listen to anything new this week, but I, I have been listening to other random stuff, which we're gonna go through through our Instagram, I believe. Well, I can't pull it up on my phone because okay. my fucking um phone battery is being a biatch and not charging <laughs> so i have a new one at home which i'm gonna switch well, out so let's see just going to the see if we can pull it up on the sh- on our facebook page from the last couple of days oh excuse me come on well i think I think I, I got it. Oh, so, you got it. Okay, then. yeah, all for you. So I think I think we ended on uh, 
Ghost and Shadows Fall? Uh, I think so. I think that was that was. Well, what's the you know the date of that was? Um, Can you see that? Because we recorded on August 9th for the last podcast. August eighth. Yep, that would do yeah, it. Yeah. So August 9th. So the 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 day we recorded the last podcast. Uh, albums of the day, you picked Meadows End, The Grand mm. Antiquation, mm-hmm. and I did A Sound of Thunder, Who Do You Think We Are? Um, uh, for the following day, Euphorion, Ends of the Earth. This was a, uh, uh, I believe this was, was either a Kickstarter or a, um, a band camp that I really enjoyed and picked up. Um, and you picked uh, Slipknot, We Are Not Too Kind. Yep. Um, next up, we had MD45, The Craving, which is um, a side project of Dave Mustaine with Lee Ving from Fear. That was Dave Mustaine? Yeah, that was Dave Mustaine. Oh, for some reason, I thought it was Dave Ellison. No, it's Dave My Mustaine. Bad. Actually, I need to get there's, – there's two different versions of this album. I need to get the other version. Because I have the original version, which has Leaving singing. Um, when they went to remaster it, they had lost the vocal track, so Dave re-recorded all the vocals. Oh shit! So I want that too. That would be that. That would be a really cool re-release as a double. Yeah. And you picked uh, Meshuggah, the Violent Sleep. Yeah, Violent Sleep of Reason. Oh, Violent Sleep of Reason. I missed it. Yeah, because I think that weekend was my birthday weekend. And I went out and I bought myself a new pair of uh, Bluetooth fucking um, headphones. Okay. And I wanted to listen to something really fucking heavy to see if they sounded right. And that was the record to pick right there. Right on. Uh, next up, we did um, uh, Misery Kills, My Ugly Insides. Um, and you picked Sex Knuckle, Unearthed. Badass record. I remember when we saw them. It was that Zombies that we saw yeah, them. The zombies. Yeah, they were really fucking good. Yeah, I think I have that performance filmed um, on my on my uh, my external drive. Um, next, you picked Cowan. I, I, I'm. We're still debating on the the pronunciation of that um, of that name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's it sounds like it. Sh- should phonetically sound yeah like phonetically that? phonetically but again remember this is Finnish that they are very um, true and you know it's the interesting thing about this I was talking um, with my girlfriend about it and we looked it up and we were talking about it anyway uh, I ended up downloading an app uh, called Duolingo and we are learning Spanish together now right on and you can totally learn uh, Finnish and Swedish. And a whole bunch of other ones that will probably come up next. So, might, just might, help me pronounce things. I make no guarantees. Plus, I have to get through Spanish first. But, uh, that's, I just like the fact that talking about that band led to that. So, yeah. It's pretty cool. Okay. (laughs) Uh, And for that day, I picked Rise from Your Grave, uh, their album, Arise, uh, from our friends over at uh, the One Up Cup, uh, Tom. And uh, he, who also does our intro uh, bit, the Danzig bit for us. Thank you, sir. Yes. And I, I still laugh at it every time. <laughs> I, I love that uh, intro. I, I, yeah, I mouth it every time. Just like, yeah. Uh, next up, I picked some Patavuzi. Uh, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong because, again, Finnish. Um, 
That sounds phonetically correct as well. Mason Murky. Uh, that I'm probably pronouncing it without the accent or any sort of accent. I'm sure there's a more there's a, there's a much more acceptable way of saying that. <laughs> Um, but for anyone who doesn't know, that is a Black Sabbath tribute band who, um, who for that particular album, which features all all covers of Dio era Black Sabbath, they got Marco to sing, um, and it's amazing. And it's all in Finnish. All in Finnish. So it's Black Sabbath songs in Finnish. Black Sabbath songs in Finnish, sung by Marco Hitala from uh, from Nightwish. And a Marco. Yeah. Yes, and it's it's a it's a damn fine album so um and i believe they're working on their fourth album right, oh, right now nice. so uh i'm not i'm not Do sure they get a different singer every time or no no i think they had they had the same singer for the first two when they were covering just ozzy era oh, okay and then okay. marco joins up for the dio era stuff um so I'm, now they gotta get somebody to sing for the tony martin stuff well i think they're doing another album um of of I'm not sure. They just they it it just says on their like their Facebook page fourth album in the works. So, and uh, you picked Fallujah, Undying Light. Yep. So, uh, next up you picked Mike Lapon's Silent Assassins. Hell yes. And I listened to the uh, self-titled album from Hellram, which I need to uh, share with you at some point. Yep. Uh, next up, you listen to Atonement by Killswitch Engage, which we just talked about. Yep. And I listen to Lordy, the Eurocalypse. Um, I love Lordy. <laughs> they're just so much fun. <laughs> they look like a lot of fun. They, they, like their live show is actually really good. It's, it's just, it's, it's cheesy but fun. Um, next up is a Revocation. I don't know what album you picked. Self-titled. Self-titled. And I picked Nightmare World in the Fullness of Time, which we did a review I was on. I say, this is the one we did the review on, right? Yes, a, a good a good two, three years ago. Um, I, I forgot how much I enjoyed the album. And, uh, yeah. That's how I felt about going back and listening to uh, Michael Pond's Silent Assassins. Yeah. Uh, next up, you picked Slayer, South of Heaven. Yep, and I listened to Rhapsody, Power of the Dragon Flame. The Rhapsody back when they were just Rhapsody, not Rhapsody of Fire, not Tur- not, not Luca Turilli really, Rhapsody, yeah. not Le- Leone Turilli Rhapsody, just Rhapsody. <clears throat> um, and last one that we have, uh, you picked the Deftones. I'm not gonna try to pronounce the album yeah. title because I'm, I'm assuming it's I think it's Koi, Koi no, no Yokan. Yeah. And I listened to Tarot, uh, Suffer Our Pleasures. That's a great fucking record. Yes, it is. It is uh, All their albums are pretty damn good. So. I just love that one. I think it's the only one I have, so that's why I really, really like it. Yes, it's, the, it's one of the easiest ones to get your hands on. So, um, But great record. So. so that's what we've been listening to the last few weeks. Um, let's move along. To obituaries. Unfortunately, obituaries starts off our show. Yeah, well, we gotta get the downer out of the way first. So, yeah. anyway, according to Patch.com, a 62-year-old man died after falling to the ground during the August 11th Knotfest Roadshow concert at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater in Tinley Park, Illinois. Richard Valdez. Valdez. Uh, Valdez. Valdez. Okay. 
Um, he was pronounced dead at 11.34 p.m. The cause of his death is not yet known, and on and an autopsy is pending. A spokeswoman for the Cook County Medical Examiner's Office said, Witnesses told Patch.com that Valadez joined in some of the mosh pits that formed in the uh, lawn section and was knocked to the ground at least once. About an hour into Headliner Slipknot set, he fell out of the pit and into the grass. As people were trying to help him up, he suffered a seizure and witnesses called for help. Two men performed CPR on him before staff and emergency personnel showed up to assist. Uh, a couple days later, it's being reported, to, uh, according to Patch.com, police have opened an investigation into the death of, a 60, of the 62-year-old man uh, at the concert. Uh, no foul play is, is suspected. I think there's going to be more of a, um, a venue and promoter liability issue. Because mm-hmm. um, a lot of the witnesses said that it took a very long time for emergency services to, to, be, able to, to be able to be notified. And then to get to him. Mm. Um, anyone who's gone to a concert in a lawn seating area, especially during the headliner set, knows that it's excruciatingly dark. Because um, they turn the they turn the house lights down, they turn all the lights down pretty much. So I I can see how it would be very difficult to wave somebody down to get help, especially if he's just out of the pit, which is usually in the center of this huge crowd. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's probably, they're probably going to be looking at it as more of a, you know, what was the venue and the promoter liable for this gentleman's death. Yeah. So we'll probably end up covering this more in old business on the next episode. Yeah. Yeah. So we will see. All right, so let's move on to some general news then. All right, this one is it's just ridiculous. Okay, so in 2010, a Massachusetts-based research company called Gnome which is K-N-O-M-E, used a blood sample taken from Ozzy Osbourne to map out his genetic code and attempt to figure out how he has survived after years of abusing drugs and alcohol. Researchers hope that analyzing Ozzy's blood and DNA will give them insight into how drugs are absorbed into the body and why some people can survive extreme substance abuse while others can't. They discovered a never-before-seen mutation. That, can, that may explain Ozzy Osbourne's ability to consume alcohol in great quantities and several genetic variations that predisposed him to drug and alcohol dependencies. So he was destined to be a drunk, it sounds like. But he was also genetically mutated enough that he can survive it. In his new book, Pleased to Meet Me, Genes, Germs, and the Curious Forces that Make Us Who We Are, which is uh, available through National Geographic, Bill Sullivan, a professor at the Indiana University School of Medicine, writes that Ozzy Osbourne is indeed a genetic mutant. Sullivan looks at the surprising ways uh, we're shaped by our DNA and biological factors that dramatically affect how our genes are expressed. Now, the only thing is, I, how how do we know that this wasn't like the opposite, like it, maybe his DNA was changed from years of drug and alcohol abuse and not the other way around? I don't know. Um, yeah. that's well beyond my pay grade, but yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm just I'm just I'm just saying. Um, yeah. The thing is, I don't know if you can if your DNA changes as you live. Does it? Does it? Does it? Maybe. I don't know. It can. 
I have no idea. But still, mutant. Mutant. <laughs> Doc, uh, Professor Xavier would be very proud. Next, next thing we should do is uh, is is get a little bit of, of a sample from Keith Richards. Yeah, for fucking real. Just, just just grab a handful of hair and run. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, are you ready for the next one? I'm ready. All right, for so this is a hashtag copy and paste. Okay. So Jonathan Sazula, known the world over as Johnny Z, has lived an intense life. Born in 1952, he has been uh, he began his extraordinary journey as a renegade youth who went from living on the streets of the Bronx in New York City to later working on Wall Street and eventually and unexpectedly transitioning into the music business and discovering Metallica and many others. Today, Johnny Z remains one of the most respected names in the heavy metal and the music industry as a whole. Johnny Z tells all about his incredible life in a brand new book that he describes as not a typical rock and roll book, but rather a blue-collar success story titled Heavy Tales, The Metal, The Music, The Madness, as lived by John Zazula. Scheduled for release on Tuesday, October 29th. Heavy Tales is the detailed, never-before-told never story of how Johnny Z founded legendary New Jersey-based label Megaforce Records with his wife, Marsha and built a dynasty unmatched by others, forever changing the scope of heavy metal. Yeah, that's definitely copy and paste. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But it sounds incredibly interesting. Yes, yes it does. Incredibly interesting. Yeah, because it's the start of Megaforce Records. Yeah, that's and that's a... pretty much the start of, like, thrash metal almost. Yeah, well... Oh, starting point. Yeah, M uh, Metallica, I believe Megadeth was on there for a little while. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Was Anthrax on it? Uh, it is an East Coast label, so I wouldn't be surprised if they were. Maybe for the first album, but after that, they were like all Island Records. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right. Ready to keep on going? Yep. B.C. Kutschmidt has announced his departure from Nonpoint to spend more time with his family. The guitarist who joined Nonpoint in 2014 as a replacement for Dave Lizio played on the band's last two studio albums, 2016's The Poison Red and 2018's X. Okay. Everyone's just leaving bands. Uh, you know, it's probably also one of those things where some people are probably not making as much money as they need to. Yeah, of course. You know, you hear, you hear that a lot. Uh, Slayer will join, or should have joined, we'll get into this in a minute, uh, Rick Ware Racing as a primary sponsor on the number 54 car at Bristol Motor Speedway, promoting the band's final world tour. Piloting the Slayer Chevrolet in, is Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series veteran J.J. Yeely. Yeah, Monster Energy. <laughs> we need that sponsorship, too. But unfortunately, reportedly due to, quote, reactionary concerns from other longtime participating sponsors, Slayer has been pulled as the primary sponsor, and all Slayer signage has been removed from the car that was to be piloted by NASCAR Cup Series veteran J.J. E. Lee. That's kind of bull. Yeah. For real. It's stupid. <laughs> Stupid, stupid, stupid. All right, so speaking of people leaving the band, Dragon Force have parted ways with longtime bassist Frederic Laroque. Um, 
He became an official member of Dragon Force in 2006 and will play his last show with the band uh, last weekend, I believe it was, uh, at Elbe Riot in Hamburg, Germany. Filling in on bass for the U.S. Leg of Dragon Force's upcoming world tour will be musician and YouTube personality Stevie T, or Steve Terraberry. Terraberry. Right on. Yeah. All right, former Venom and current Venom Incorporated singer and bassist Tony Demolition Man Dolan underwent hip surgery last week, Thursday, August 15th. At a hospital in London, the front man had postponed the procedure for the last three years due to an ongoing obligation with Venom Incorporated, causing him to be in constant pain on and off stage. Dolan reports to Lords of Venom that he is doing well and he had his first uh, careful walk on crutches on the next morning. In the meantime, he is back home recovering. Next morning? Yeah, the next fucking morning. After hip surgery. Yeah, no. I'd be, yeah. Like, I'd be like, no. I ain't no, going nowhere. drugs, bed. Thank you. <laughs> I'm staying right here. All right. Kitty frontwoman Morgan Lander has joined the Quebec metal band uh, Carcos. Carcass. Carcaos. Carcaos? Okay. Uh, that's what it seems like. Yeah, okay. Car Chaos, yeah. As his new lead singer. I mean, that's cool. I, I, I guess Kitty is on hiatus, or... I don't really know. I mean, they did that big reunion thing, and they, they haven't done much since then, I don't think. Mm. But then again, why not two bands? Yeah, of course. Of you course. know, Mike Portnoy is in, like, eight. Like, today. That's Mike Portnoy. Like, today, though. Like, tomorrow he might be in, like, five more. You know, he has like, you know, he has like seven Wednesday bands. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm friends with a lot of musicians here in San Antonio. I see a lot of um, memes posted about like bands searching for, for drummers and, and uh, like you. It's one of those things where, like, like the drummer's always trying to hide from everybody because it's like, it's like I can play, but nobody, I don't want anybody to, to know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. According to Mirror, Black Sabbath's classic songs The Wizard and War Pigs will be featured on the fifth season of Peaky Blinders, the Netflix hit series about one of the most powerful UK gangs post-World War One. Season 5 of Peaky Blinders will be released on Friday, October 4th. Just in time, because I just started watching the show. I'm almost done with season one. Right on. And the show is fucking great. And I think my favorite thing about the show is its use of modern day music set to the, the time of post-World War One. So they use a lot of, they use uh, Tom Waits, they use Nick Cave, they use the Rakatores and Jack White a lot. Mm -hmm. So War Pigs and uh, The Wizard will probably fit quite well in the whole scheme of things. Right on. All right, Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin, I'm sticking with it, has proclaimed August 22nd, 2019 to be Lane Staley Day, which was yesterday. Uh, we are recording this on the 23rd of August. The late Alice in Chains frontman would have turned 52 years old. According to KEXP, Lane Staley Day is a call to attention to the Lane Staley Memorial Fund, which was established by Lane's parents in 2002. The organization strives to provide hope, education, support, and treatment funds for heroin recovery in the Seattle music community. That's good. Yes, sir. 
All right, last but not least here for general news, Corey Glover, who is the vocalist for Living Color and Bowie Experience, George Pond, who is the former bassist of Negative Sky, Corey Pierce, former drummer of God Forbid, Mark Monjoy, rhythm guitarist, Second Skin, and Danny Puma, lead guitarist of Negative Sky, have joined forces in a new metal, in a new metal band called Disciples of Verity. The band's upcoming full-length album, Pragmatic Sanction, is due later in the year via the label group slash In Grooves. That's going to be interesting. Corey Glover singing in a metal band. Yeah. I always liked his, vo- his voice. Yeah. Always liked his voice. Yeah. So let's go on to the crime blotter, which this one just... It's like, dude, just stop. Right. So we haven't talked about this guy in a while, and for good reasons, because he's, he's scum of the earth. Anyway... Former Lost Profits frontman Ian Watkins has been found guilty of possessing a mobile phone while in prison. The 42-year-old singer was found with the phone in his cell at HMP Wakefield in Wakefield, West Yorkshire, uh, England, where he is serving a sentence for sex offenses. We've talked about him extensively back in the day, so... Anyway, he allegedly used the phone between March 4th, 2018 and March 10th, 2018 to contact a woman he previously had a relationship with and later hid the phone inside his anus while serving time at the British Maximum Security Prison. He was sentenced to 10 months in prison to be served on top of his current sentence. What an anus. What an anus. He later pleaded uh, that he was being threatened by other inmates uh, to have the phone or something like that. Anyway, still a dick, still scum of the earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, nothing for Metallica breaking shit. Not today. Nothing for feuding. Nothing for feuding. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but we do have something for Alcoholica. We do have something for Alcoholica, and ironically enough, it's a new Megadeth-branded beer. Sayasin 13, which has been made available in select Canadian provinces. This is the follow-up to 2016's Atul Le Monde, and it will arrive in the U.S. this September. Sayasin 13, with its pale amber color and its red-orange hues, is brewed with 13 carefully selected ingredients. This delicious Sayasin offers the perfect combination of malt, fruity, and spices, punctuated by the fresh hops taste. Like a Tout Le Mans, 13 is a collaboration between Megadeth main man Dave Mustaine and Unibrow brewmaster Jerry Veets. Right on. I just love the fact that they call it Unibrow. And it's probably totally not that at all. Okay. You know what I mean? It's, it's like Unibrow. Unibrow. Yeah, bro. Merchandising. Ready? Mm-hmm. Merchandising. So the popular vinyl collection uh, collectible company Funko, best known for its big-headed pop figures, has joined forces with Rob Zombie. I, I saw this one. And, and it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's cool. I it's like totally it. cool looking. I like it. So. Totally cool looking. But that's it for merchandising, unfortunately. All right, let's go on to recording news. All right, Craft Recordings has announced a vinyl reissue of Creed's Human Clay in celebration of the best-selling album's 20th anniversary. 20 years ago? Fuck. I, I fucking know. I fucking know. In stores October 11th, the two LP set is housed in a gold, in a gatefold jacket and marks the first vinyl availability of the album since a limited edition pressing in 1999. Human Clay, which has sold over 20 million units worldwide, 
includes hits Higher, What If, Are You Ready, and the Grammy Award-winning single With Arms Wide Open. Man, I like the album, but... 20 fucking 20, years. 20 years. Was it really that long ago? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Who's feeling old now besides this guy? No, you're still old. <laughs> Fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> your turn's over. I know, I know. I felt so dated hanging out with your friends the other night. I was like, Ugh. I'm only like six years older than half of them. But still, it felt like a whole generation. Anyway, Toxic Holocaust will release its long-awaited new album, Primal Future, 2019, on October 4th via New Entertainment One. Woo. I guess. Mayhem will release their sixth studio album titled Damien or Damon? I think it's Damon, Demon. or maybe it's supposed to be like a version of Demon. I think it's a version of Demon. Okay, but anyway, that album is coming out October twenty fifth. Sepultura have entered the studio to begin recording their new album for a tentative February twenty twenty release via Nuclear Blast. The follow up to 2017's Machine Messiah is once again being recorded at Fascination Street Studios in Orebro, Sweden, with producer Jens Bagren. Right on. Baby Metal will release its third album, Metal Galaxy, on October 11th via Ear Music. I hope they're up to their third album. Yep. I feel like they just, they just debuted. Hmm. It wasn't that long ago, was it? I no. Mean, it was, yeah, I think it was like right around the time we started the podcast. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. All right, Cynic has announced the re-release of his sophomore effort 2008's Traced in Air. Traced in Air remixed features new tracking by virtuoso bassist Sean Malone, a vibrant new mix by Periphery's Adam Noli, uh, Get Good, who's worked with Animals as leaders Devin Townsend and Hacken, as well as mastering done by Ermine Hamidikov. 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 Hamidovich. Hamidovich. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Reading that completely wrong. Anyway, the album is slated for release on September 27th. You need that app. I do need that app. I do need that app. But first, Spanish. That way I can order my tacos. Correctly. Anyway, Flying Colors. This is a band that features that guy. This is one of his, like, I think this might, this might be, like, his Thursday band. This might be Mike Portney's Thursday band. Anyway, they will release its new album, Third Degree, on October 4th via Music Theories Recordings. Home. Taylor Hawkins has revealed that Foo Fires will be growing on their 10th studio album <laughs> later this year. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. I'm leaving. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> anyway, speaking to Rock Sound before the band's August 17th gig in Glasgow, the drummer stated about Foo Fires' planned follow-up to, to 2017's Concrete and Gold. Well... From what I've heard from our fearless leader, Dave Grohl, he has a lot of demos that he's worked on, and I think we'll start once this European tour is over. I think not too soon after that, we'll start the process of putting the songs together as a band. It's usually a long process. We do a lot of demoing and stuff, but I think that we'll have, I'm hoping, I think we'll have a new record by next year, which I will always buy because I love the fucking Foo Fighters. It's like how like they're just not even like he's not even sure. He's just like um later. It's above his pay grade. Again, fearless leader Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl just growling, growling, growling. 
hate you so much. <laughs> You're fucking welcome. Get over it. You and your overkill fucking extreme power metal bullshit from last time. What? It is overkill. <laughs> so extreme power metal. Anyway, after introducing a new live show, as well as music, at festivals across Europe this summer, King Diamond is now ready to officially reveal the title and theme for the first studio album in 12 years, The Institute. Fans can expect the debut single to arrive this fall and an album in 2020. Woot. Yes, sir. King Diamond making the return. On October 11th, Rush will release Cockwork Angels Tour in a 5-LP vinyl set. Jesus Christ. This live 5-LP set is pressed on 180-gram vinyl and includes an etching on the flip side. The set comes packaged in a two-piece telescopic box with a full-color booklet and a code to download a high-definition digital version of the album. The band recorded concerts in 2012 in Phoenix, Dallas, and San Antonio, Woo, San Antonio. For, for a live album, and this set includes all 31 tracks from those recordings. This vinyl set also features the bonus tracks from the original CD release, including a version of the classic Limelight that the band recorded during Soundcheck. Rush's Soundcheck sounds better than half the band's concerts in the world. I, I <laughs> guess so. I'm just joking. Anyway, The Devil Wears Prada will release its new album, The Act, on October 11th via Solid State Records. Cool. Alright, so the good that men do. The good that men do. Judas Priest's Glenn Tipton has thanked fans who have purchased t-shirts in support of the Glenn Tipton Parkinson's Foundation launched last year after the guitarist announced that he had been battling the disease for a decade prior to the band's Firepower Tour. All proceeds from the foundation will benefit a pioneering new treatment called MR-guided focused ultrasound thalamotomy. Wow. Thalamotomy? I'm going to stick with it. Which, although in its early stages, has already had great success with a Parkinson's-related condition called essential tremor. In a statement releasing, uh, expressing his gratitude, Tipton says, We will report on the amount raised as we go along. It currently stands at just over 150000 U.S. dollars, where there's still a long way to go. For anyone who wants to donate to the charity, there will be a link set up soon to make that possible. Once again, thanks to everyone. All right. According to Reuters, Metallica has donated 250,000 euros, which approximates to about $279,000, to a Romanian association building the country's first pediatric oncology hospital. The band made the donation to uh, Give Life. Let's just go with that. Give Life, ahead of its sold-out concert on Wednesday, August 14th at Arena Nacionala, in Bucharest. But they didn't break any records there. No. Sorry. Wah, wah, wah. I think, like, if this wasn't, like, a donation thing, I probably would have just put any Metallica news in Metallica breaking shit. I think that's just going to be their, their new section from <laughs> now on. Shit, just Metallica. Unless it's very specific, like, donations or touring or whatever. Hmm. All right. Alright, so I don't, do we have anything for crowdfunding charts? Well, just a, an update. We had that one that we were talking about where Funeral for a Friend um, was coming back together for uh, two shows. Uh, and they also set up a, um, 
it's a crowdfunding thing for a fan of theirs who's uh he's been diagnosed with a terminal illness. Anyway, they have a goal of five thousand pounds, and as of today, they've raised seventy seven percent or three thousand eight hundred seventy seven pounds. Right on. And then the one that staled out on us a little bit was the guy from Australia. Um, he's working uh, through brain cancer. Uh, although there is an update from him himself. He just finished his radiation treatment. Uh, now he has to wait for a month to let it sink in and recover before he starts his chemotherapy. Who is that again? Uh, Lachlan Watt, a oh. radio personality and band right. member. Right, right, right. Okay, so now let's go on to things I want. I don't have anything I want. I do. Okay, your turn. Um, this one's going to be a little bit more bitching. Oh, but it's a bitching session. Yeah. Are you salty? I'm salty. Oh, this. here we go. Um, we've talked about this in the past, um, about a people who uh try to dictate what you should wear to shows. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yes. I'm I'm tired of that, but I, I that include that with um I saw a meme the other day that was um a flowchart and it basically said, "Can you wear shorts on stage as a as a band member?" Yeah. Well, yeah. it makes absolutely no sense. And the, and the and it said like, "Are you Angus Young?" Yes. Then you can, yeah. Um, and then like the rest of it was like, like, is it is the heat index like over a hundred and like uh, just dumb shit like that? I'm like, I'm who makes I'm, these fucking rules? I'm I'm tired of this crap. <laughs> who makes up stupid shit like this? Uh, it's so it, for a uh, for a genre who does not like to be judged. We do an awful lot of judging. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's pretty hypocritical. Yeah, it's it's. <laughs> It's very hypocritical. It's it's a lot of bullshit. So what I want is for people to stop dictating what others should wear to or at sh- at shows, either as a member of the band or as a patron of the of the show. Yeah, like I whole I hate that whole scene in that movie where you don't want to be that guy that wears yeah. a band. Yeah. Okay. I'm seeing a band that I really, really like, and I want to support them, not only by showing up, but also wearing their gear. Who the fuck cares? Yeah. And plus, if you go to an Iron Maiden show, there's a stadium of those guys. Yeah. A whole it, fucking stadium. Yeah, like, uh, Maiden in particular, like, um, they have half their audience in Iron Maiden t-shirts. You know, like, and I think it's kind of fucking cool to see that. You yeah. know, I think it's awesome to see all these different kinds of fucking shirts, and you're like, "Oh my god, that one's awesome! Oh my god, that one's awesome, man! I really wish I had that one." And that, and like when also looking at where they came from, it's like, yes, you know, like people were whipping out their tour shirts from 1982 and stuff. And also like the city specific ones. Oh my god, that guy has one from fucking Lisbon. Yeah. Like, oh my god, why are you in fucking San Antonio? You yeah. follow the band? Awesome. Can we talk? Yeah. So. Don't dictate what people should wear on on stage. Don't dictate what people should wear off stage. Just don't. Just just stop. I think one of my favorite things when I was going to a bunch of shows when I was a younger man. Um, I don't know who he was, but at om- almost every show for like a good six months, there was a guy who showed up in a Winnie the Pooh outfit. He would, and he would be in the mosh pit in his Winnie the Pooh outfit, and he'd be like. 
like Ozfest in Jersey in the summer, and this guy was had to be dying, but he was rocking it so hard, <laughs> and it was the coolest fucking thing. I thought, you know, who is going to be the one to tell that guy to be like not that guy? Like fuck that guy <laughs> who was telling them this shit. No, Winnie the Pooh in a mosh pit is the shit. I'll give it, give a fuck what anyone says. <laughs> Like, nothing but John was saying, Obata. Fill up some woozles, motherfucker. Uh... <laughs> I'm just imagining it now. Yes, th- you're welcome for the visual, okay? <laughs> it was awesome. That guy just showed up everywhere. I was like, that was, it was almost like the mustache twins. Speaking of which, uh, I'm part of a, a Facebook group called, um, oh, fuck, I forget what it's called, but it's a bunch of guys from Long Island, big metalhead fans, and it's run by the Mustache Twins. Uh, so I, I think I got my point across. It's very simple. Just don't don't tell me what to wear to a show. For reals. Don't tell me what to wear on stage. Like, I'm not in a band, but when I, if, if I should ever be in a band, don't tell me what to wear on stage. This is the first time I heard about the shorts thing, though. Like, who, yeah, what the uh, fuck is that about? I, I, I know. That's the first time I saw it, too. And I was like, what the fuck? Dude, it's hot up there. No matter where you play, it's fucking hot. Yeah. Those lights are hot. Yeah. You move around and fucking jump around and shit. I remember when when you were in a band, you you would just be sitting there headbanging the whole time. Yeah, and it was hot. <laughs> and you had long hair too, so yeah, it must have been yeah. terrible. Yeah, go ahead and tell Steve, Steve fucking Steve Harris to not wear his fucking shorts up there. Yeah, you tell him that. Yeah, seriously. Fuck. Yeah, so that's that's my that's my things I want is is. People to shut the fuck up, basically. <laughs> I wonder if, they, if, if, if there's a thing that was like, you know, like members of the band shouldn't wear the band's t shirts. Like Yannick Gers always wears an Iron Man Oh, yeah, shirt. of course. He, he, Jason he, Newstead fucking wore every single Metallica shirt he ever owned on stage with Metallica. Like, you're going to tell that guy to not wear the show, the, the band, the, the shirt to the band that he's playing in? Fuck that guy. Yeah. Ah! Okay. Can we move on now before I get all testy and even more salty than you? Well, see, see, it's, yeah, it's, no, it's, it's angering. Fuck. And all right. Caffeine's kicking in, so. So let's go on to concert news. No festivals, but we have some touring news. We do have some touring news. So Demu Bergier and Amorphous have announced a co-headlining tour that no metal fan should miss. In January and February of 2020, the unholy Scandinavian alliance will haunt ten European cities. And bring wolves in the throne room along as support. That's copy and paste. Yeah, and it's also disappointing because it was European cities, not North American. Yeah. I would, I would like to see – I saw Demon Borgir once. I would like to see them actually headline a show because they were playing OzFest mm. in daylight. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely not suited for them. Yeah. Yeah. I think I remember that. With the recent Oscar-winning film Bohemian Rhapsody, the music of Queen is more popular than ever. In twenty in 2002, many of those hits were compiled into a rock musical experience, We Will Rock You, which will be hitting the road once again for a North American tour starting September 3rd in Winnipeg, Canada. 
There is a San Antonio date, October 25th at the Majestic. Right on. I might, I might want to go see that. Yeah, good luck trying to get tickets for that. It, you know, they're expensive. Uh, never mind then. I, the only reason I say that is because I, I, I would looked into buying tickets to Les Miserables for the kids uh-huh. and myself. And number one, just trying to get four tickets total was ridiculous because there there weren't that many available like sitting next to each other. Yeah. And the price was just astronomical. Yeah. I, I mean, we're talking like cheap seats for like a hundred something bucks. Yeah, that sounds that, that sounds Each. like that sounds like a play. Yeah. All right, Guar will make his triumphant return to Europe late this November into December as um okay, on as part of the Use Your Collusion 2019 tour. The trek which features main support Voivod begins in Bochum, Germany on November 2nd, uh, 22nd and ends on December 14th in Zurich, Switzerland. Right on. Metallica will bring the world world wired full-on stadium experience to South America for six headlining shows featuring special guests Greta Van Fleet. So Led Zeppelin's opening up for Metallica. Yes, pretty much. Okay. Atreyu will celebrate their 20th anniversary on a U.S. tour this fall. Support on the 27-date trek which will kick off at the Los Rages Festival in, La- in Las Vegas, Nevada, on October 19th, will come from Whitechapel, and he is legend. I'm not a fan of Atreyu, really. So. There's a couple songs I liked. Mm-hmm. And when we, they, I, they were on the second stage at the last Ozfest I went to at Randall's Island, and I really, I think I, they were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Trans-Siberian Orchestra has announced this year's tour. San Antonio date, December 23rd at AT&T at 3.30 and 8 p.m. I like how you have all the exclamation points in there. Yeah, that, that was actually, I wrote that one. That's the one thing I wrote. <laughs> As all the exclamation points. They're on tour again. Hey. It's, it's Christmas time. They're going to be on tour. Well, I mean, at least they announced it now. Yeah. All right, hashtag no San Antonio date in support of the Institute Project King Diamond will embark on a North American tour with Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats and Idle Hands in November and December. No San Antonio dude. No San Antonio But Dallas. He's coming That's, this is the first day of the tour in Dallas. Yeah. He's pretty much walking out his front door, playing a show, and then going on tour. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Five Finger Death Punch will join forces with Megadeth and Bad Wolves for a European tour in 2020. Exact cities and dates will be announced on September 9th. Yeah, if it came to the U.S., that's a show I might see. And I saw a lot of people getting all uppity about Megadeth being like the support man. But, I mean, you know, Dave's probably going to be coming off of chemo at that time for a throat cancer. So, you know, maybe doing a 40-minute set instead of an hour and a half might be better for him. Yeah. You fucks. Anyway, another band. That Mike Portnoy's in. This might be his Tuesday band. Uh, Sons of Apollo has announced an early 2020 tour of North America. Support on the trek, which will kick off on January 24th in Pomona, California, will be provided by guitarist Tony McAlpine. Right on. Slipknot has announced the full details of its early 2020 European tour. The 28-date trek will kick off in Dublin on January 14th. And will include eight dates in the UK before playing 19 shows across continental Europe, with a final show taking place in Helsinki on February 24th. Support on the tour will come from Behemoth. Ooh. Yeah, that's badass. That's pretty, that's pretty 
Well, pretty much that's almost like the, the Slipknot Roadshow that's on right now. That's like Slipknot, Behemoth, Volbeat, and a couple other ones. Yeah. All right. You ready for a one-off here? Yeah. Uh, I, I want to go over this one-off. Yeah, yeah, this is crazy. Mr. Bungle will perform The Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny, the Eureka-born band's 1986 self-produced released a demo in a trio of early 2020 shows. February 7th at the Fonda Theater in Los Angeles. February 8th at the Warfield Theater in San Francisco. And February 10th at Brooklyn Steel, New York City. The dates mark both the first time Mr. Bungle has performed in close to 20 years and the first time these songs have been played live in over 30 years. Original Mr. Bungle members Trevor Dunn, Mike Patton, and Trey Spruance will be joined by Scott Ian and Dave Lombardo, who are sure to be one of the most talked about musical moments of 2020. Yeah. I would totally love to see that. I think I might have to take a trip to to New York in February. Sounds about right. It'll be post-peak season for both of us, so I think uh, we can get away with that. Yeah. All right, let's go on to heavy metal in the charts. All right, so last week, the week of uh, August 17th, According to official charts, Slipknot's latest album, Not We Are Not Your Kind, is on track to become the band's first number one in the United Kingdom in 18 years. The group's breakthrough LP, Iowa, was its only UK number one to date, chopping the charts in September 2001. We Are Not Your Kind is currently, or was currently, um, 13,000 chart sales ahead of Ed Sheeran's number six collaborations project. While Sheeran's fourth album was has the upper hand as far as streaming goes, the masked meddlers have sold the most physical copies and digital downloads across the weekend. We Are Not Your Kind would be Slipknot's fifth consecutive top five album in the UK. Remember, this is the week of August 17th, mm-hmm. so things may have changed. In other news, Tool's latest single, again from August 17th, Fear Inoculum, the title track of the band's long way a new album has become the longest song in history to enter the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart. With a running time of 10 minutes and 23 seconds, the track has landed at number 93 on the survey in its first week of release. You know, if it was shorter, it would probably be higher. Possibly. But, mm, possibly. All right. According to Billboard, Slipknot's We Are Not Your Kind sold 118,000 equivalent album units in the U.S. in its first week of release to land at the number one position on the Billboard Top 200 chart. At the sum of 102,000, oh, of that sum, 102,000 were in album sales. I'm thinking that's physical albums. Here's the kicker. They took a little cue from Metallica here. We Are Not Your Kind sales were boosted by a concert ticket album sale redemption offer with Slipknot's tour, which kicked off late last month. That's what Metallica does with pretty much every album and tour. Yeah. So, good on them. So, let's just get right into the top 200. We're going to make a little bit of note uh, from last week's chart. So, the week of August 17th, we were talking uh, the week prior on the last podcast recorded that Tool recently released all of their music to, spot, to, to streaming services. And we were curious how it was going to affect the charts. Yeah. So the week of August 8th, of August 17th, Anima was number 10. This is top 200. Yeah. 
Lateralis, number 16. Skillet has a new record out called Victorious. That was at number 17. 10,000 Days by Tool, number 18. Undertow by Tool, number 19. Volbeat's new record was at number 27. And Tool's Opiate was at number 59. Remember, this is the top 200 on the album charts. Damn. Let's see how the top 200 looks this week. So, of course, we just talked about number one being Slipknot. Also, I should mention that we, in that one bit about the UK, they were on track to become number one. They did become number one. So, okay. they had their number one album in the UK. Right on. And they are the number one album in the United States of America. Yeah, Metal is some, not dead. For a second week in a row? Or? No, just, just, just the album came out two weeks ago. So, I think this is just catching up now. Okay. I think the charts are like two weeks behind. Okay. Because, yeah, remember, like, it came out August, it came out August 9th, so that, I don't think it counts until, like, oh, whatever, I don't know. I don't know how they fucking do it. Anyway, still, new album, Slipknot, number one, top 200, followed by Rick Ross, his new album, Port of Miami 2, followed by Trippy Red and his album, Exclamation Point, literally it's just Exclamation Point. Uh, number four is Billie Eilish, When We Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? And number five is Ed Sheeran, number six, Collaborations Project. Now, we scroll and see how everything else has been affected. Delightful. Greatest Hits by Queen is at number 17. It's on the uptick. Coming up from number 52 last week. John's Diamonds was at 37 last week. It's at 30 this week. Okay. A lot of scrolling. Yeah, we're just crossing into the lower parts of the 50s. Tool, Anima. At number 66, still in the top 100. Beatles, Abbey Road is at number 69, up from 92 last week. Hmm. Queen's Greatest Hits 1, 2, 3. The Platinum Collection is a re-entry at number 78. Tools, Lateralis from 16 to 83. Rumors by Fleetwood Mac is at number 90. Skillet's Victorious was at number 17 last week. Is at number 100. Back in Black follows it up by in 101. Greatest Hits, Guns N' Roses, 103. Eagles' Greatest Hits, 110. Bob Seger's Greatest Hits, 111. Tools, 10,000 Days, number 115. Still up in the top 200. Now we are scrolling a little bit more. Tools, Undertow, 141. 141. Nirvana, never mind, 162. Five Finger Death Punch, a decade of destruction at 165. This is overall disappointing. 
Bowl beat. Rewind, replay, rebound, 179. Wow. Still in the top 200s after the first two weeks. Not bad. Not bad at all. Well, Human Rhapsody, the soundtrack, is at 189, down from 28. Oh, shit. Yeah, that took a hit. That took a real hit. And there you go. That pretty much sums up what we'd be remotely interested. Oh, wait, well, The Rolling Stones, Honk, is at 194. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's fairly disappointing. All right. Next up, let's go into the Hard Rock albums. Uh, for last week, Tool had four of the top six spots, with Skillet and Volbeat occupying the other two. Just so you know. All right, let's head into... Oh, no. Oh, you dumb bastard. I accidentally closed out of it. All right, hold on. Hey, you dumb bastard. Give me a second. Give me a second. You dumb son of a bitch. Charts. Oh, my God. Um, all weekly charts. Charts, Hard Rock. Oh, there's two different ones. There's Hard Rock albums or Hard Rock album sales. So let's go to Hard Rock albums first, and then we'll take a look at Hard Rock album sales. Okay. Let's see what what kind of difference there is, if anything. So number twenty five is Meteora by Linkin Park, which was at eighteen last week. Okay, twenty four is All the Right Reasons, Nickelback. Experience Hendrix, the best Jimmy Hendrix by Jimmy Hendrix at number 23. Greatest Hits, Three Doors Down, 22. Foo Fighters, Greatest Hits, 21. Def Lover's Greatest Hits, 20. Led Zeppelin, Mothership, number 19. Metallica's Black Album, number 18. Hyper Theory, Lincoln Park, number 17. Aerosmith's Greatest Hits, 16. Motley Crue's Greatest Hits, 15. Bohemian Rhapsody Soundtrack, number 14. Greatest Hits, Bon Jovi, number 13. Volbeat, Rewind, Replay, Rebound, number 12. A Decade of Destruction, Five Finger Death Punch, number 11. Undertow, Tool, 10. 10,000 Days, Tool, 9. Greatest Hits, Guns N' Roses, 8. Back in Black, ACDC, number 7. Victorious by Skillet, number 6. Lateralis, Tool, 5. Greatest Hits, 1, 2, and 3, The Platinum Collection by Queen, number 4. Anima, Tool, 3. Greatest Hits, Queen, number two. And, of course, at number one is Slipknot. We are not your kind. Now, let's try Hard Rock Album Sales. See what that has to say. Now, let's get some information. This week's top-selling Hard Rock and Mental Albums ranked by sales data as compiled by Nielsen Music. That's what this is. And this is a top 25. So, number 25 is Order and Decline by Sum 41. What? You heard me right. Yep. It's a new one. Okay. It's only been on the charts for four weeks. Okay. All right. 24 is this story so far by Def Leppard. I'm guessing this is also count streaming, not just physical sales. Yeah, leave me alone. Moving on. Number 23 is a re-entry of Gold and Grey by Baroness. 
Number 22 is The Dirt Soundtrack by Motley Crue. Number 21 is And Justice for None by Finger Death Punch. Number 20 is Attention, Attention, Shinedown. Number 19 is Icon Godsmack by Godsmack. Huh. Quiet Besta. I think it sounds like it. World War X by Carnifix is at number 18. Wow. Blood Year by Russian Circles is at number 17. Ramstein Self-Tile Records is at number 16. Jimi Hendrix Live at Woodstock is at number 15. Evolution by Disturbed is at number 14. Born to Perish by Destruction is a new album at number 13. Wow. Yes, sir. Trauma by I Prevail is at number 12. The Great War by Sabaton is at number 11. Nice. When Legends Rise, Godsmack, number 10. Live from the Artist's Den, Soundgarden is at number 9. Anthem of the Peaceful Army, Greta Van Fleet, number 8. Ember, Breaking Benjamin is at number 7. The Contortionist has a new EP out called Our Bones, which is at number 6. A band called Strung Out, Songs of Armor and Devotion. It's a new album. That number five. Number four is Bohemian Rhapsody, the soundtrack by Queen. Number three is Rewind, Replay, Rebound by Volbeat. Skillet is at number two with their new album, Victorious. And of course, Slipknot is at number one with We Are Not Your Kind. Very interesting list Yeah, here. That's, that's definitely a, a, a more varied list. Yeah, this is definitely... This is Hard Rock Album Sales. Okay, and, and does it say that it It includes? does not say. It only said. Let's go back to this and yeah. reread this just so we, we know what the hell is going on here. Because I can't, I can't see that being a streaming list. Yeah, it says this week's top selling, top selling hard rock and metal albums ranked by sales data as compiled by Nielsen Music. So it's gotta be it's gotta be digital down ah, ah 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 here we go billboard charts legend general information sales data for billboard sales charts which include all album charts are compiled by Nielsen Music from a universe of retailers and represents more than ninety percent of the United States music retail market the sample includes not only music stores and the music departments at electronics and department stores but also direct to consumer transactions and internet sales both physical albums via internet and ones bought via digital downloads okay a limited a limited array of very verifiable sales from concert venues is also tabulated tabulated all sales charts use the entire Nielsen music panel the Nielsen Music System utilizes the same point of sale that music merchants use to track their inventory. So an itemized receipt from one's last visit to a music retailer essentially doubles as a ballot cast for the charts. So it is digital and physical, not yep. streaming. Yeah. Yeah, which which makes sense because some of those things I w- like the 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 other list is all like greatest hits and whatnot. That's which is, that is mostly streaming. Yeah, it's mostly streaming, but and and a lot of it's expected. Yeah, and so it doesn't change much. Billboard's radio charts. This is uh, they have different sections here for their um, what's it called for the how this works, which is actually the first time I'm reading this, which is actually fucking awesome. Uh, so. Billboard's radio charts are compiled using information tracked by Nielsen Music, which electronically monitors radio stations in more than 140 markets across the United States. 
blah, 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 blah. Certain airplay charts are based on the numbers of plays that each song received in a given format that week. Mainstream top 40, adult contemporary, adult top 40, alternative, AAA, blah, 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 blah. The audience charts cross-reference Nielsen Music data with listener information, yada, yada, yada. All right, streaming data. This is one that we probably would uh, be more interested in. Billboard compiles two streaming charts. Streaming songs ranks the week's top streamed radio songs and on-demand songs and videos on leading online music services. Hot 100 Airplay, Hot Digital Songs, and Streaming Songs data is is used to compile the Hot 100. On-demand songs ranks the top on-demand play requests and plays from unlimited listener-controlled radio channels on leading music subscription services. While many of the charts on Billboard are either pure sales or radio charts, we mingle sales, radio, and streaming data on a few of our signature charts, which is the Billboard Hot 100. Hot R&B, hip-hop songs, R&B songs, rap songs, hot country songs, hot rock songs, hot dance, electronic songs, hot Christian songs, and hot gospel songs, as well as two charts based on the same data feeds as the 100, the Hot 100's Bubbling Under chart, which ranks the top 25 titles that you that have not yet reached the top 100. Okay, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> You're not good enough to be the top 100, so yeah. we're going we're gonna to let you know oh, that. Oh, here is the chart week. Generally, charts reflect sales and airplay between Monday and Sunday of any given week. However, the mixed data charts, such as the Billboard Hot 100, use uh, an airplay cycle of Wednesday through Thursday. Charts are refreshed every Thursday on Billboard.com and Billboard.biz and reflect the date of the Billboard issue in which they appear. Online-only charts display the same corresponding date. The printed magazine first reaches newsstands on Friday. Each issue is dated based on the end of the publication week. Thus, the Billboard that that reaches newsstands on Friday, March 19th, for example, is dated Saturday, March 27th. Okay. What? Yeah, it's kind of hard. Okay. Which is kind of weird. It also kind of reminds me of like I just saw an advertisement for I think the October issue of like Revolver or Metal Hammer that's coming out like this week. Yeah, uh, it's weird. Okay. Yeah, it's really weird. But this is super super cool to read. Super super cool. All right. Digital song charts, RRA certification for blah, 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 blah. Well, listeners can go and go to billboard.com and see all that stuff yeah, for this themselves. Yeah, is, this is just really, really cool stuff. Yeah. Very cool. Um, but I think that is it for today. I think so. We decided not to do a discussion point today. Yeah, so we're gonna you're going to keep it short and keep it simple because Warrior needs sleep. Yes, he does. And, and the... And the elf needs sleep badly. Badly. And uh, on that note, we make our curtain call. So until next time, I'm Dan Mack. And this is Chris Mack. And we are The Slime. (laughs) 